My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Christ is risen. We are. Yeah, the early church had a, a saying for that. We're basically, it's like, we're waiting. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And if you come to our Revelation class on Wednesday, by the time we finally get through it in like two years' time, we'll eventually get to that point. So be sure to join us on Wednesday for our class on Revelation. We join for fellowship at 6, followed by class beginning at 6.30. You can join us in person or online. This morning I'm going to preach on the text that we heard read from Acts chapter 13 verses 44 to 52. And my title this morning is Two Responses to the Word of God. A while back there was a superhero movie that was released and my wife went with some of her friends to go see it. And I was not able to attend that occasion and when she got home I said, Hey babe, how was the movie? Was it good? And she just looked at me and said, It was so terrible. It was so dumb. And she just did not like it at all. And I was like, ooh, okay, well, I'm not going to see that then. If, it's, it, was that, if, if it sounds terrible, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And then after a bunch of time, uh, it, it kind of went by. And one night I was really bored, and it was on a streaming service. I was like, well, I mean, I got nothing else to do today, tonight, so I'll just watch the movie. Because why not? So I put on the movie, and the movie was ridiculous. It was cheesy. It was over the top. But it was also a lot of fun because it realized it was ridiculous and cheesy and over the top. And it really leaned heavily into those aspects. And it's funny how the things that my wife did not like about the movie, that did not connect with her, those were the things that I really connected with and I enjoyed about the movie. And it's funny how some people hear or see something similar or the same thing and they come away with two very different responses. As the saying goes, the same sun that hardens clay can also melt the clay. And in today's reading from the book of Acts, we see something similar going on here. A response to the same message. We see two different ones. The responding and rejoicing to the word of God and the reviling and the rejection of the word of God. So this story continues directly from where we left off last week. Last week we talked about St. Paul had been invited to the synagogue along with St. Barnabas to share from the scriptures. He did so and he preached to them that the promises God had made to their forefathers have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it's, it says in the text that they were eager to hear more of what he had to say. And this morning's reading from Acts picks up exactly where that story left off. But, as we heard, things don't quite go the way that they did the last time. And after the last example, it says that both the Jews present and the people who had converted to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas around to continue to hear what they had to say. So interest was generated. People were following Paul and Barnabas around. And so those converts to Judaism would have been people who were formerly Gentiles, who had undergone the ritual of circumcision as a sign of their being God's uh, inclusion of, uh, into God's covenant people. 
Now we are told in today's reading that a large crowd gathered to hear Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas the following Sabbath day. So much so that the Jewish members of the synagogue became jealous of it and of them. Now this could be due to the fact that they were able to come in such uh, come in and, and have such a, a wide audience. And we know this audience included Gentiles because they are mentioned in today's reading. And some of the Jewish listeners began to publicly then contradict what Paul and Barnabas are trying to teach. And it says that they began to revile them. So in response to this act of trying to shut down their message, Paul and Barnabas both tell the Jews that it was necessary and right to go to them first to preach the gospel. But because they have rejected what they have been preaching, they have judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. Judge themselves unworthy of eternal life. So this isn't actually in my notes, but I think we're going to pause here for just a second. When we talk about eternal life versus eternal death, we often have an image of our mind because of maybe our culture of, of God as being very angry and here's the people that he's going to usher into heaven and then the people he's very angry with he's going to take them and to cast them in, into eternal punishment, into eternal death. But it's interesting here. St. Paul says to them that you have judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. Did you catch that? In other words, by rejecting the message that God is trying to get across to them through God's messengers... Those who receive it and reject it have judged themselves already to be unworthy of eternal life in the age to come. And so St. Paul and Barnabas will then turn their efforts to the Gentiles from now on. And to support this turn, they cite from the Old Testament scriptures just as they did what we heard last week when they appealed to the Psalms and to the prophet Isaiah. St. Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah again, chapter 40, verse, the second half of verse 6, where he says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. What's of particular interest of that verse is that the first half of the verse talks about how God is going to bring back the preserved people of Israel. And this is a reference to the kingdom of Israel that had been separated from the kingdom of Judah. The Assyrian Empire rolled in, destroyed them, and resettled their population across their empire. And this results in their assimilation into all of the surrounding cultures. But there's a link that the scripture makes between those scattered tribes of Israel and the bringing in of the Gentiles back into God's kingdom. And they would have understand, understood this quote from the book of Isaiah in this context, which makes them angry. So the first response is rejoice, is rejoicing. The Gentiles, when they heard what St. Paul and Barnabas had been preaching and saying, when the Gentiles heard this, it said, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. So one thing we have to understand about the Gentiles is that many of them who were there at the synagogue would have been considered what were called God-fearers much like we see in the book of Acts with people like Cornelius. In other words, they believed in the God of Israel and they entered into worship of the God of Israel as best they could. But they were not received as full followers or full converts into the Judaism of the day because many of them would not take the final step of being circumcised. A very reasonable... Uh, <laughs> anyway, I won't go there. 
And also, many of these Gentile God-fears were wealthy, and they served as patrons of those synagogues to which they were attached. And when they hear this, this is good news for them, because this means that Israel's God, the God that they are worshiping but can't fully enter into worship of, has recognized them and has, has delivered them, has included them into his people. And this is a tension that will follow St. Paul throughout his entire ministry when he ministers to the Jews and the Gentiles. But they hear this news and it causes them to rejoice. And this is one of the central tensions that we see in, like in, in, in books like Galatians and so forth. Where St. Paul basically is saying to the church to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You do not have to go back and become a, 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 an ethnic Jew. Because Christ is bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together as one. And those who receive him from both are then grafted together into the true Israel of God. Right? So the true Israel of God is the Israel of God that is made up of those who confess Christ, those who are Jews, those who are Gentiles, brought together as one. That is the Israel of God. Not a nation state that was created in the 40s. But the Jews and the Gentiles who worship Christ are brought together as one. And this is good news for the Gentiles, is that God has included them. And then this would also include Gentiles who were not what were called God-fears. They were completely pagans, but there was something about the Christian message that drew them in. And they became followers of Jesus as well. And this is cause for them for great rejoicing. But what causes the Gentiles to rejoice brings out a different reaction in some of the Jewish listeners. Some of them believed and, and, and supported Paul and, and some of them were actually incited to begin persecution of, of St. Paul and Barnabas and, and those who received their message. Now imagine you've been ministering in a place for many years and you have seen a, a little bit of growth here and there, but generally speaking, not, not a lot. But all of a sudden, two guys show up out of nowhere and after one service, the whole city is like buzzing, right? It's if I, if I came here like the first time and I preached my first sermon and then next Sunday all of Northampton came to hear what I had to say. Something like that. It causes them a little bit, uh, no small degree of jealousy. So much so they begin to publicly revile them. And then what they do is, is they go to the devout women of high standing and leaders of the city, right? So we have to remember in the ancient world, there were many wealthy women who had businesses and, and, and so forth, who were women of influence in their culture and in their society. And there were also leaders of the city, also people who, who were business owners and, and so forth, who were the elders of the city. They go to them and they ask them to step in. And now the direct persecution that they started to incite it's not mentioned what the specifics are, but we can imagine the type of pressure that wealthy business people and politicians can bring to bear on those who have attracted their attention. It's something we continue to see to this very day. They begin to revile. Revile is a good old word that we don't really use much anymore. To revile is not, it's more than just gossip. Right? Reviling is speaking ill against, wishing ill against. Right? Being reviled is what Jesus experienced during his own ministry. 
And they're actively speaking against the word of God that St. Paul and Barnabas are bringing to them. And so eventually it gets to such a fever pitch that they have to leave Antioch of Pisidia. And so they leave and they shake the dust off of their feet and they go somewhere else. They left believers there and then they, they moved on somewhere else because they were, they were asked to leave the city or escorted out of the city. And this should remind us of Matthew 10, 14 to 15. Jesus said, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. That's heavy. That is very heavy. In other words, the land that God destroyed because of wickedness. We read the story in the, in the book of Genesis. It'll actually be better for them when the Lord returns than for the people that will not hear the message of reconciliation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so for our own day and time, brothers and sisters, is when we share the word of God, when we share the gospel, we will either be accepted or we will be rejected and reviled. We don't want to be rejected and reviled. We want people to hear and rejoice and believe. And these are the, the, the two promises to the, to the word of God, right? Rejoice or revile. We should, and people who are brought into relationship with God after hearing the word of God is, is rejoice in our pardon. Rejoice that we have been justified. Rejoice that we have been forgiven of our sins. Rejoice that we have been made new. Rejoice that we have been united with Christ. Rejoice that we have been raised from death into life. Rejoice that God has not left us in our sins. But rejoice that he has freed us and washed us and redeemed us and set us on the path to resurrection. And real resurrection. Not just resurrection of flowers and springtime, but the resurrection of the body. This is a very real Christian hope. And then there are those who hear who will revile and reject. And not only will they revile and reject the word of God, they will revile and reject those who proclaim the word of God. Because they do not believe. Because they do not like how those beliefs affect change. Because what happens is we, when we look in the book of Acts, we see how when Paul and the apostles go to places, the message of Christ that they bring, it does not just affect a spiritual transformation in the sense of, you know, they were followers of Zeus and now they're followers of Jesus, but also affects a change in how they live their lives as Christians, which what a lot of the epistles are basically about, particularly 1st and 2nd Corinthians, as Paul dealing with, this is how we, you used to live, and all the wicked things you used to do, and here's all the ways that God is calling you to live. And that's part of the message of the Word of God, is that it affects change and transformation, not just in the human soul, but also and human action. And I'm thinking specifically of in the city of Ephesus 
when, when they go to Ephesus and they preach the gospel. Witchcraft and pagan religions are being practiced there in Ephesus. And it says that they took their manuscripts, it took their scrolls, which would have been ridiculously expensive in the ancient world. Prohibitively expensive in the ancient world. And they took their scrolls of witchcraft and magic and they burned them. They didn't say, well, this, <laughs> they say, well, this has, uh, you know, uh, says, uh, I have some attachment to this because, you know, my favorite witchcraft teacher gave this to me, you know, when I was in witch school. I don't know, I'm just being silly now, right? I just have, and I just want, I just hold it for sentimental value. It says they took these books and they burned them to show that this way of life is incompatible with this way of life. And the Christian life in many ways is incompatible with the life in the world. And a large problem we find ourselves in is that we try to take the life of Christians that are supposed to be living out of the world in a new way. And we try to import the ways of living in the world into the Christian faith. There's lots of and books and stuff have been rewritten about repainting the Christian faith and a, a new Christianity for, for new people and, and, and nonsense like that. Which is basically just importing everything that culture affirms into our faith. Which challenges the prevailing beliefs of our culture. And that will cause people to reject and to revile us. Because Satan does not want the type of transformation that the transformed people of God can and do and bring in their societies at large. So will we be a church, brothers and sisters? Will we be a church that hears the word of God, that rejoices in the word of God and does the word of God? Or will we, we be a church that does not receive the word of God? that reviles the Word of God, that tries to make the Word of God or tries to use the Word of God to justify what the Word of God has revealed to us and the church has taught to us as sin. What kind of church will we be? I know what kind of church I want us to be. And I'm not just speaking about this specific church, but all churches as a whole as well. So let us not be of those who turn back. But let us, even in danger of being reviled, in danger of being persecuted, hold fast to the truth, fast to the truth of the gospel. But also how the gospel and how the word of God instruct us to live. Because as St. Paul says, that scripture has been given for instruction, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness. May we continually be constrained, or trained to righteousness. So on the day of judgment, we will not have judged ourselves unworthy of eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to GoFundMe.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it.
If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.